You guys grab a seat. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Mark chapter 12. That's where we're going to be hanging out tonight is in Mark chapter 12. So feel free to open them up, turn them on. If you don't have your Bible with you, don't worry. We'll have the verses on the screen for you. That way you can follow along with us as we jump into a series tonight called When I Grow Up. And I think this series has the potential to change how you see your life. It has the potential to change how you see yourself. And so as we kind of dive into tonight's message, as we kind of spend some time here, hopefully that will become more clear what I mean and what this series is about. But that's where we're going to be tonight, is in Mark chapter 12, looking at a few verses together. So one of the most disappointing moments of my life happened this past summer. So one thing you got to know about me is I am a huge Disney guy, and I have been for a long time. See, I grew up during the time when, like, some of the Disney classics were being made, like Aladdin and Toy Story. A Disney Channel original movies for me as a kid, and honestly, even still now, are like my love language. Love Disney Channel original movies. And even as a kid, I thought The Lion King, which was my favorite movie, was so good that it brought tears to my eyes when Mufasa died, right? I mean, I just loved Disney, right? I just loved it. I just grew up loving it. And so it's no surprise that one of my big childhood dreams was to go to Disney World. And so I used to beg my parents to take me, right? I would just ask them to just take me to Disney World, uh, but because they loved money more than me, uh, <laughs> it didn't happen, never went. But see, now that I'm grown up, I decided this summer to change that. So right around Memorial Day, my family and I were going to be pretty close to Orlando. And so my wife and I thought this would be the perfect time to take our two boys, who are one and three, but really mainly ourselves, to Disney. And so we thought with it being, you know, May, it wouldn't be as hot as it would be if we went during the summer. We thought because it's before June, there's certain schools in certain places that aren't out yet, right? So it wouldn't be as crowded when we went. And so on May 28th, we got up at 5 o'clock in the morning. We all put on our matching Disney t-shirts because we're definitely those people. (laughs) Proudly, proudly those people. And we made our way to Magic Kingdom. And when we pulled up and I saw that sign that said, Walt Disney World, where dreams come true. I freaked out at a level that for a 30-year-old man is not socially acceptable. <laughs> Just going to say that. But I couldn't help it because I had so much joy that filled my heart when we pulled up to that place. And because I felt like a kid again. Because after decades of waiting to be at the place where dreams come true, my childhood dream was finally becoming a reality. And so I such high expectations as I walked into this park for what I expected to happen. And very soon, those expectations were completely crushed. So it started out as we got to the park, the goal was for us to get the park a little bit early. That way our, our boys could go and they could see the, the characters like, that greet you when you're like walking to the park. 
And so we show up, and when we do, I notice that there's like a lot of cars in the parking lot to the point that people are like parking in rows, like, like just one after the other, crazy. And what I soon found out is it was so crowded, not only did it keep us from making it to the park in time to see the characters, it was so crowded that it took us over an hour and a half to get from our car into the park. Like that's how crazy it was. And so we eventually get in and we go on our first ride, which I'll be honest, was very unimpressive. I mean, it was, I mean, it was Winnie the Pooh, but still, not, not very impressive <laughs> for me. <laughs> and at this point, because it takes so long for all this to happen, it's like lunchtime. And so there's somebody who recommended a place for us that they loved. And so we decided to go there, and I'm like really excited about eating Disney food. I'm just really excited about it because in my mind, if this food is like just about every other thing that Disney does, then it's going to be amazing, right? That's my mindset. So we walk into this place, we order chicken fingers, got two of them because I'm not cheap. And so I am, but here I wasn't. And so we go to sit down and eat it. And when I take a bite, I noticed very quickly it did not taste magical. (laughs) Instead, it tasted like it came from the freezer section at Walmart. So that was not good. So after a very subpar lunch, we continue to go around the park, kind of walking around. And as we're doing it, it's just getting hotter and hotter outside, like crazy hot, to the point that I'm starting to get concerned about my youngest son, right? He's one, and he's like just now at the age that he's starting to talk like a minion. And so at this point, like he was not even communicating with us really much at all. And so like, how do you really know, like if he's dehydrated, if he needs water, right? And so at one point he is like sleeping and he is so red and he's laying there in such an awkward position. I really think to myself, I think he might be dead. Like that's the point that it got to. I'm like checking him to make sure he's still alive. And so we're walking around, he's hot, everybody's hot. And I eventually look down at my Apple watch and see that it is a hundred degrees outside. And from every research I've done, I think it was a record high for Orlando that day. And so this entire time we're debating, should we leave, should we stay, right? should we go? Like we're just kind of debating and we're like, you know what? We're going to stay and we're going to go to the parade. Right? We're going to make it to the parade. And so we go and we're standing there in the hot sun and Disney decides to reward our dedication by starting 20 minutes late. And so once that was finally over, <laughs> We decided to get our boys, and we hightailed it out of there. And so we get into the car to drive back to the vacation home. And when I sat there, I didn't feel the way I expected to feel that morning when we showed up to that park. I didn't walk away from this place with this sense of satisfaction. Right? I didn't leave this place to go home feeling like I just fulfilled a childhood dream of mine. Instead, I left the most magical place on earth, tired, hot, and extremely disappointed. Because my day at Disney did not go the way I expected it to go. And so as I went to leave this place, in so many ways, I felt like my time there was the failure. And as we look at our passage today, we're going to look at another story. A story where I believe somebody else walks away from a place feeling like what they just did was the failure. 
So let's begin reading Mark chapter 12, verse 41 together and see what we can learn about this person and how this can apply to our lives. So Mark chapter 12, verse 41, let's read together. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. So the story begins with Jesus and his disciples hanging out at the temple. And when they're there, they're watching these different people come in and they're putting their offerings to God. So obviously, unlike today, people gave offerings much differently back then, right? They didn't pass a plate during the service. Instead, if you wanted to give an offering, what you do is you'd go to the temple and you'd see the priest who was there. And you'd show him the amount of money that you had. And then based upon that, he would tell you which of the 13 different offering stations that they had around this square-shaped room that you need to go to. And then you'd walk over there and you would drop it in. And so Jesus and his disciples, they're hanging out and they're watching these different people put in these different offerings. And it says that they saw a lot of wealthy people put in money. And even from a distance, they would have known this because of the way that these containers were shaped. When somebody put money in, the sound would echo across the room as it hit the bottom of the container. And so they're sitting there, these sounds are echoing across the room, and as all of this is taking place, something happens that catches Jesus' eye. And that's what we read beginning in verse 42. It says, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins with only a few cents. So in the middle of all these wealthy people walking around, Jesus notices this poor widow who comes in to give an offering. And unlike so many of the other people in the room, she doesn't have a lot of money to give. Instead, the amount that she wants to offer God is so insignificant that it's only worth a few cents. So based on what's happening here, right, based upon what's going on in this story, imagine how this widow must have felt as she walked into this place, surrounded by people who had so much money, more money than she did. I mean, imagine how you would feel as you stand in line waiting to see the priest, holding your money in your hand. But one by one, as you hear him talking about the amount that other people are giving, you become more and more insecure about the little that you have. And then when you finally get to the priest, your heart drops. Because he announces in front of everybody, so everybody can hear, that you only have a few cents to offer to God. As if to say, that's how much he's worth to you. And so it bears you look down to the ground as you start to walk, hoping to escape the stares of the people in the room. But it doesn't work. Because even though you don't see their faces, you still hear them whispering about you as you walk to the retainer or to the container. And then when you get there and you drop in your coins, guilt consumes you because it doesn't sound like all the other echoing coin drops around the room. Instead, you hear two faint coins hit the ground. 
I mean, just think about how ashamed and insignificant this widow must have felt in this room compared to everybody else and what they were doing. You see, even though Mark doesn't really give us a lot of details about this widow, based upon what's happening here, we can actually figure a lot out. Because the fact that she hasn't remarried and she's not at the point in her life that she can take care of herself must mean that she's older. And the fact that she has nobody else to take care of her must mean that she doesn't have any kids. Either because her and her husband tried for years and years to have one and they couldn't, or they did, but she tragically lost them at a young age. And see, what we also know about this woman is that when she dreamed about what her life would be like when she grew up, this isn't what she pictured. Because nobody hopes and dreams that one day they'll be poor and alone. So when she was younger, this isn't how she saw the future her. Instead, she, ex- instead, she expected to grow old with her best friend. He would always take care of what she needed. Right? She expected to raise her kids to the point that they could take care of her when she couldn't take care of herself. And she expected in her old age to have so much money to give back to a God who had given her so much. I mean, no doubt, this widow saw her life going in a different direction. No doubt she had set such high expectations for herself. But as she sits here in this moment, she's experiencing something different. Her life didn't go the way she wanted it to. And if we're honest, we get this. Because we all know what this is like. We all set expectations for ourselves. Right? We, you make a plan when you get to college. You want to make good grades. You want to graduate in four years. And you want to have a degree that will allow you to have a career where you love your job. Right? We have this desire to be in a serious relationship before we leave this place. And so even though maybe relationships haven't worked out for us that well in the past, we are hopeful and confident that they will now. And we're hoping that it's in this place that we'll meet the right one. And sometimes we even set goals to lose weight before summer comes. And so we start working out, we start counting calories, we start making big sacrifices like not eating Chick-fil-A six days a week. I all with this hope to shed a few pounds that we desperately want to get rid of. Right? We all get this. Right? We all know what it's like to set expectations because we want our life to go in a certain direction. But so often, just like the widow in this story, even though we expect things to go one way, they don't. Right? Instead of sticking to our plan in college, we end up struggling in our classes. We end up switching our majors three times. And then we end up taking that extra year to graduate because we're more confused now about what we want to do than when we started. Or instead of finding the one, we're still searching. 
And as we get closer to finishing our time here, we're not too sure if we're going to meet them anytime soon. Or instead of losing that weight that we hope to this summer, we actually find ourselves now weighing more than we did before our diet started. We all understand what this is like. And when these moments come and what we want isn't what we get, I believe we feel the same way that this widow feels in our story. We feel like we're failing. We're disappointed in who we are or we're embarrassed of where we are in our life. Because we have this goal by this point to be a certain someone or to be with a certain someone. And we aren't. Our life has gone in a totally different direction than what we expected. And so now, because of the expectations that we set yesterday, we don't feel like we're doing too good today. Which means we find ourselves looking at our life and we aren't who we want to be or we aren't where we want to be. And if we're honest, some of us are sitting here in this room tonight, and because of that, we feel like we're failing. We're failing because we set these expectations for ourselves. And as this widow goes to drop these coins in this container, this is where I think she is. Her life hasn't gone the way that she wanted it to go. And because of that, now she has so little that she can offer to God. So little, that, so little that she can give back to him. And so because of that, she's going to walk out of this place feeling like a failure. She's going to walk out of this place thinking she hasn't done enough. And as Jesus is sitting here watching her, dropping these coins and then goes to leave, he decides to turn to his disciples and say something. Something that we cannot miss here tonight. Because look what he says in the last two verses. It says, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. Now, when the disciples were sitting here and they heard Jesus say this, this would have been completely shocking to them. Because their entire life, they had been told that success when it comes to giving was based on how much somebody gave. Right? The expectation is that you give large amounts of money to God. But here, Jesus does something. In this moment, Jesus decides to redefine success for them. And he says success, and when it comes to giving, isn't based on how much you give. It's based on what you give with how much you have. That's the right expectation. And because this widow had virtually nothing, and she gave everything, she's the example. She's the one that we should follow. She's the one that you should look at. Because contrary to what all of you have thought, she has given more than everyone else. And even though this widow 
And everybody in that room thought that she failed to give enough to God. Jesus showed that she didn't. He showed them that they had the wrong expectation. And so he changes the expectation and then he redefines what success is. This is why I love this story. Because what Jesus does here is what we need him to do when it comes to how we see the future us. Because what we've talked about is that we all set expectations. And because we all set expectations, what that means is that all of us have somebody who we want to be when we get older. Somebody that we want to be when we grow up. We know who we want to be spiritually, professionally, relationally, and even physically. We all have an idea of somebody that we want to be. But as we've talked about all night, our life doesn't always go in the direction that we want it to. What we want isn't always what we get. But because we have these expectations, we can walk around our life feeling like we failed because we're not who we want to be. We can be just like the widow in the story. And we can spend our lives being disappointed and embarrassed about who we are and where we are, even though we shouldn't be. Because we're doing something amazing. And so what all of us need is we need Jesus to redefine success for us. We need Jesus to change our expectations so that when we do grow up, we know how the future us should look. And that's what this whole series is about. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at four different things and we're gonna ask Jesus to redefine how we see success in those things. We're gonna ask him to redefine how we see success when it comes to spiritual failure. How we see success when it comes to body image. Redefine how we see success when it comes to our career. And we're even gonna ask Jesus to redefine success when it comes to finding the one. And the goal in all of this is that we have the right expectations. The goal in all of this is that we have the right understanding of success so that we don't set ourselves up to fail. Because one thing that this story points out that is so important when it comes to our future is that when you have the wrong expectation, even success feels like failure. When you have the wrong expectation, even success feels like failure. And soon after I spent my time at Disney, I realized that's exactly what happened to me. Because I left that place feeling like that trip was a failure when I soon realized that it actually wasn't. Because the entire time I'm just noticing all the things not going the way I expected them to go. My three-year-old son was having the time of his life. Because for weeks after that, all he could talk about was the rides that he would go on or the funny moments that we had when we were there or how much he wanted to go back there. 
And as he spent all this time talking about how much he loved it, I started to realize that I didn't enjoy my time there because it was a bad trip. But instead, I didn't enjoy my time there because I had the wrong expectations. See, I was focused so much on trying to enjoy an event when I should have been excited about making a memory. A memory with my family and especially a memory with my son. But once I allowed my son to redefine success for me, how I saw that day completely changed. Now, of course, the day itself didn't change. The food was still awful. It was still crazy hot. And it was still way overcrowded. But how I saw that day began to change. Because my expectations changed. But what's so frustrating is when I look back on that day, something amazing happened. And I missed it. And what's so frustrating about the story is that this widow does something amazing with her life, but she missed it. Because when we have the wrong expectations, even success feels like failure. And I don't want that to be you guys. That's why this series can be life-changing and life-altering for you. Because the expectations you have today will determine how you see success tomorrow. And I don't want you to get to your future and think that you failed when you really haven't. So I want us to redefine success. I want scripture to redefine success for us. So that you know what your future you should look like. And a lot of who Jesus is. So here's my challenge for you as we begin this series. Here's my challenge for you. Make the decision to let Jesus redefine success in your life. Make the decision right now before we start this that you're going to allow Jesus to redefine success. That you're not going to let your own expectations for your life be how you determine success, but instead what Jesus says, you allow that to determine success. Because Jesus' definition of success will always be better than ours. So let's redefine success. Let's understand how we should see the future us. And let's allow God to do amazing things in our life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much for the opportunity we have to worship a God who has done so much for us. And thank you tonight, Jesus, that we saw that you're in the business of redefining success for us. For allowing us to have the right expectations. And so my prayer tonight, God, my prayer right now is that we'd make the decision to allow you to do that. That, Father God, we would choose right here, right now, to not set our own expectations for our future, but instead we'd allow you to do that. So that when we grow up, we understand what success looks like for somebody who follows after you. 
in our profession, in our walk, in the way we look, in everything else, Lord. So right now as we sit here, may we sing to a God who is better and therefore we can always trust that his definition of success is as well. So be of this right here, right now, as we sing to you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.